Welcome to Shatter by Rockwell Automation Women in the Field. We're your hosts, Fumi Ige, Carrie Schrock, Kara Parati, and Kira Rust. Rochelle is newer to the Rockwell Automation family here for about two and a half years now and is enjoying her role as North America Services Delivery Leader. She is originally from central Illinois and has been living in Denver, Colorado for the last 10 years. She attributes her career and ability to connect with others to her diverse background and upbringing. Rochelle started at community college while in high school. And while she still has a business management degree from University of Illinois at Springfield, she has been working in engineering teams for over 20 years. Life in Denver has enabled Rochelle to do all of the typical Colorado activities she loves, such as skiing, hiking, biking, and enjoying the outdoors. She is very involved with her kids, ages eight and four, and her wife, who is also a Wisconsin native. Many family vacations are spent either exploring in the mountains or back to the Midwest with family and friends. As a family, they love to travel and try to introduce their kids to many diverse cultures and experiences. Rochelle has said, I try and carry myself with authenticity and inclusivity. I do not give up and have a love to learn new skills and take on new challenges. Leading with, through, and for others is what drives me. While I celebrate the positive outcomes, I grow more from the challenges, both big and small. We are so excited to have Rochelle with us here today on Chatter. Welcome, Rochelle. So thank you so much, uh, Rochelle, for being here on Shatter. We are grateful to have you on today and to talk a little bit more about kind of what came out around networking and being your authentic self through that. Uh, so kind of to kick us off, can you tell us a little bit more about what networking means to you in your role? Sure. First, thanks for having me. I've been super excited to, to join you guys in, in this conversation. Um, you know, it's interesting. Somebody kind of approached me not too long ago and said, hey, I, I should spend some time with you and get some tips on how to network. And it, it kind of took me by surprise because to me, I've never really been super uh, intentional, like to, to set out, like I have to grow my network or anything of that sort. Um, so it, it really surprised me. And, and it got me thinking about, you know, just relationships in general and, and, how, how I have kind of progressed through my career. And it, it really has been attributed to my quote unquote network. Um, but I never realized it was happening as it was happening. And so I, I think I've identified spending a lot of time to think about this is, you know, all, all through my early career, um, I have a management degree. Um, I've always had an interest in engineering. My dad's an engineer. I love figuring out how things work. Um, but I just, I never took that path. And so I learned early on that I could pick up more and learn through others, right? The more I asked questions, the more I, I asked about their knowledge, their beliefs, their views, how they process things. And I think early in my career, just recognizing my own gaps and being very inquisitive and open to others really started to help me build relationships and organically this networking kind of mentality, if you will. I, um, thank you. I, I love that perspective. I think there's a lot of conversation, especially when you look at 
networking through the lens of LinkedIn or something about how to build your network and, and be really strategic, which is great um, if some people need that skill set. But I think what you're honing in on is authenticity and being yourself has been really central to building your network and navigating your career in that way. Is that right? Sure. Um, knowing what my faults are or where my gaps and my expertise is. And, and it's still today, I find myself, you know, being very vulnerable saying, I'm not going to have the technical answers maybe that you're seeking, but I will commit to you to go get those answers. I know people that know a lot more than, than I do. And I want to bring them to the table and give them the opportunity as well. So you're right, being vulnerable and, and authentic with where my gaps are, owning those, and then stating, you know, my desire to actually fill those gaps through others. Yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned was kind of how this happened um, organically throughout your career, kind of from the start. Would you want to give us a little bit more background on what that looked like early in your career and lead us up to now? Uh, yeah, even, even before my career started. So when I graduated high school, I took a year to be an exchange student and I actually got to go to Switzerland for a year and had a, a lovely family. And first of all, I, I was walking into a country where I knew no one. Um, I didn't know what to expect for the year to come. I didn't know what I was missing out on the year I was leaving behind all my friends going to college. Yeah. I didn't know the language. I didn't know the culture. So I, I think that was kind of the beginning because I was probably very introverted before that. But being put in that predicament, I had to, to really establish, I've got to learn this culture through others. I've got to learn the language through others. I've got to find my way to school on my bike and the bus and the train through others and through failure. So I, I think that's a great example of, I had to just let go of everyone, everything that I knew, everything in the US and, and what I had culturally bringing up and emerge myself in, in where I was at that time in order to survive that and, and thrive. And I, it was a great process. I loved it. The connections I made many, many years ago, I still have today. And I've been back to see my host family. We, we converse every holiday and uh, we'll probably go skiing together next year. Oh, that's amazing. I, I bet that's been really tough the last couple of years with COVID, uh, not really being able to see them as a possibility if it sounds like you're pretty close with them. Yeah. And FaceTime changes everything as well. So. Ah, true. True. Good. Uh, curious about uh, after that too, if you could give a little bit of background on your career and maybe how you leveraged that uh, through your career to be where you're at with Rockwell today and what that looked like. Yeah. I, I wish I could say I played it all out and it happened exactly as I planned. But, <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I think we all love to hear that that's not how it went because that's never how it goes for anyone. And then we look up to these people and we think that that's exactly how it went, but it's just not the case. So that's I, always wonderful to hear. I would actually be horrified, Rochelle, if you were like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I had I've a plan and from the start executed yeah. it perfectly. Yeah. yeah, true. Good point. Uh, yeah. When, when I got back, I would say I went through more of a, a culture shift coming back to the U.S., um, after a year abroad than when I went there. Um, that was a harder transition for me, to be honest. And, and I, I had started community college when I was in high school. So I tried to kind of get a head start so that I wouldn't be a, a full year behind. And when I, when I came back, you know, I, I, I was still trying to find myself, right? I was 19 at the time. And 
wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to go to school for. So we did have a community college in my hometown. And uh, I ended up walking on and playing basketball and softball in community college and, and got my associate's degree paid for. Meanwhile, I was working a couple jobs and just, just having wow. trying to adapt. Um, I spent one semester trying to go to university and I, I hated it. I was miserable. I didn't feel like I fit in. Um, I wasn't into partying. Um, so I, I, I just felt like an outsider. And I think still it was a pivotal time in my life that I was trying to find myself. And I quit after one semester at university. Uh, then I started working, you know, two, three, four jobs. Uh, I worked several jobs. I bought a house at 19. And finally, I, I, I got into recruiting in HR. Um, and when I started that, I realized, you know what, I, I think I want to go ahead and pursue my business degree. And I went to night school and it, it took me a lot longer. I kind of paid as I went. I loved night school because I got to be with people that had real life experiences. So it wasn't just book work for me. It wasn't just checking a box or taking a class. It was, again, those relationships that I got to hear real business scenarios, real stories of what was going on in the world. And I also was still working full time as a recruiter at that point and really got to incorporate it into a lot of my work as well. So I took a very non-conventional uh, approach, if you will. Um, after recruiting, I became a corporate trainer uh, because a lot of what I had been doing on the recruiting side was a lot of software and it was a homegrown software. So they asked me what I go across North America and actually just train different offices on the software system. And I loved it. I had a blast and really, again, got exposed to more business leaders, more uh, franchise owners, uh, different uh, recruiting firms, if you will, and so forth. And then from there, um, I was approached by Lucent Technologies and they said, hey, you're not an engineer. We want someone that can train our engineers. You seem to have the right mindset. You understand how engineers think, but you've got the software background. And that was the start of 20 plus years working in engineering organizations. So kind of started in that recruiting and training, got into project management. Um, before Rockwell, I was with GE Power in gas turbine technology, working in the engineering division, deploying different tool sets, different quality roles. And then my last role with GE before coming here, I actually built a startup organization to do software and hardware uh, power plant control systems. So it's been cool. great. I, I love the grassroots approach too, if you will, that, that you really paved your own path. And I, it feels like that really shaped you and shaped the way that you to bring it back to this original networking point, the way that you interact with people and the conversations that you're having, whether or not it's to benefit your career or move through your career, but just to connect with people. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you, you nailed it on the, on the head there, uh, connecting with people. You know, if, if I were put into a job, you know, and I, I look back at some of my roles in GE and my job was really just go figure out process and work in isolation. And that, that was the most miserable role for me because it, it, it took the people aspect away from it of, of true. I mean, I got to work with people, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, truly collaborating with people. And I even look at my role in North America services leader today, you know, I, am not a boss. I don't manage people without my team and without everyone doing their job. I have nothing to do. So I love nothing more than my team advocating to me. We need this barrier removed. We need this strategy developed. We need to, to look at these areas for process improvements. That gives me direction. So if people aren't giving us direction, I, I feel like I have no purpose. 
So I, I really feel like I lead and, and I excel through others and by what others need. I love just helping other people. Do you think that that um, want and need to be able to help others has kind of, you know, facilitated that ability to connect and, and network as you've gone through this? Do you think that that has been like a big piece of that? Or do you think it's been more strategic kind of as you've progressed now in Rockwell and throughout your career? I, I think it's just inherent in who I am. Um, you know, anyone that I work with, I'm going to take the time to, to step aside and say, how are you? You know, what, what drives you? What bothers you? What do you love? What do you, what do you not look forward to? And understanding a lot of those um, root type behaviors or, or things that could be systemic issues or, or systemic growth, you know, understanding those and trying to draw those out of other people. It's just, it helps me get to resolution, if you will, and find solutions with that individual. That's such a beautiful way to look at it because I often feel like when I'm reading about management on LinkedIn or, you know, looking at maybe some of the ways that we talk about management in general, sometimes it, it can get really operational in nature and it can get pretty stepwise. And it's beautiful to have a manager that sees you as a human being with a real life and things going on and not just somebody maybe that's looking for what motivates you and doesn't motivate you again through that operational lens. But it, it seems like, you know, because of this keen ability that you have and this skill that you've built up over your life to connect with people in a really personal way, you see people for who they are. And um, I, I just want to say that I, I see that in you and that's really beautiful um, and, and really cool that, that you've taken such ownership of that. I, I just think, you know, we're, we're all so unique, right? And, and situations drive so many outcomes. And by that, I mean, you know, Kira, you could be sitting in a meeting with me and I, I'll, I'll be watching you. And, and I try to anticipate when I think you're thinking something that I, I can, I, I try to like read people and give them the courage to say what they're thinking, to step into the conversation. I think especially as females, sometimes we may sit around a table and be the only woman in the room. It's getting better today for sure. But, you know, we may be our own worst enemy thinking it's not appropriate for me to ask that, or maybe that'll take us off path. So I don't want to say anything. And, and I know I have felt that way. And so I don't know if it's just out of my own experiences that I, I like to look around the table and, and it doesn't matter who they are. If I see someone deep in thought, I try to encourage them. What what's on your mind? Because you're going to say something, Kira, that's going to trigger Kara to say something or think something different. That's going to trigger me to say or think something different. And oh my gosh, think think of the possibilities if we're just brainstorming, right? And all this stuff kind of comes together, and then it forms this this nice vision. It it will come together. Yeah, I think that there's uh, been a lot of times, even personally, especially even earlier on, or even in 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 school or wherever else, where um, I don't always have uh, the confidence, right, to say the thing, much like you're you're saying, and um, having someone who looks out for you but also doesn't make you feel like picked out, I feel like is a really beautiful balance to have, and like making sure that everyone at the table 
has the ability to say something, even if they're not the loudest voice in the room, um, I think is, is really special. Do you think also, I know we've touched on a little bit with uh, your own team that having that variety of, you know, those that speak up, those might need more encouragement, but also with a diverse background of perspectives has been something that's important to you and your own teams? Always. I mean, I look, if, if Rockwell was only looking for engineering grads, I wouldn't be here today. Right. So it, it's, and, and I, I instill that as well, you know, taking someone from a gas turbine technology, you know, one of the, one of the products, we did a lot of machine learning and predictive analytics, you know, and we bought, we bought somebody that did that in the coal industry. And then we did it for the first time in the gas industry. Think if we can do that now in food and Bev, right? So it, it's kind of recognizing it. You don't have to just have one niche and stick to that niche. If you surround yourself with a lot of unique perspectives, that's where greatness comes. And, and I like to do that on my team. I mean, I don't want to hire people that only think like me. I want my team to call me out. My best friends are the ones that will call me out on things. And, and that's what I want and I need and I appreciate. You're not going to hurt my feelings for calling me out on a truth or, or pointing out my mistakes so that I can learn from those. That's awesome. I, the, the hallmark of a psychologically safe team, right. Is ensuring that people are free to speak up. Like I, uh, Kara and I are both very, very early career, but I know when I'm walking into a good team, when there's very obvious respect and communication, that's very clear and to the point, right. There's no back office meetings after the meeting, there's no gossiping, there's Hey, you know what? I disagree with you. And here's why. Uh, but to your point, it feels like you have to be really intentional about fostering that kind of community and making sure that we build teams that bring that kind of diversity. Right. And, and in addition, reading your audience too, and knowing who's in a state or who's ready for some authentic feedback, because mm. look, I, I say, I want the good and the bad you know, um, not everybody is ready for that. Not everybody has kind of grown up with that kind of philosophy, you know, and, and I know I can be a really hard critic. Sometimes I, I see it as a parent with my kids, you know, I expect them to know and what I know in over 40 years and, you know, my son's eight and, and I <laughs> yeah. have to remember like, oh yeah, it took me a long time to learn this, but I, it comes out of goodness that I want to help others, but I think we sometimes too need to read our audience. Like, are they in a, in a good place personally or professionally, or even asking permission? Hey, I I've witnessed some things. Can I give you some real candid feedback? Um, so it can backfire too, because you can give some candid feedback that could be, you know, perceived as, wow, that was aggressive or that was too much. If that person's not in the right state or not ready for that. Yeah, I know that's true. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think I have um, an issue where um, it's harder for me uh, to accept, you know, really kind compliments of work without constructive feedback. Like, give me the thing that I need to change, like make me work, like tell me what I need to work towards. Um, So it's funny, kind of everyone has a different way of receiving those things and making sure that you're being courteous and accepting of that. Uh, feels important. 
Is your business struggling and leaving you to feel like your hair is on fire and you're not able to get ahead? With the continued increase in consumer demands and inability to ramp up production due to legacy equipment and resource constraints are just a few of the obstacles perhaps in your way. At Rockwell, we aim to partner with you to aid you with technical engineering resources, solutions, and automation capabilities. Our lifecycle services delivery teams are here to help you meet your goals with outcome-based industrial maintenance services to provide the specific support to help you maximize productivity and minimize operational risks. Our 3,400 engineers and project managers have an average of 13 years of experience with deep domain expertise across industries. We work with customers in more than 80 countries to help them minimize risk, improve productivity, and more. We offer consultative services, embedded automation engineers, emergency services, and other technical and contractual support. Lean on us to reach your goals and optimize performance. Uh, something else when you're talking, uh, this piece about your team really trusting in being able to tell you those things, but also you being able to tell them those things feels really connected to the idea of being known and then knowing someone to be able to read those situations. How do you build up that trust with your team to allow them to know you and then also to allow you to know them, you know? Give us well, those, a lot the, of words. <laughs> ten, 10 steps to trust. <laughs> Go. Yes. Will you, will you the, <laughs> make it easy? Fix all of that for all of us right now on this year. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that's a really a deep question. And, and, and I'm going to kind of pass it off a little bit, like kind of like networking. I, I can't say building trust is something that you can spell out in an equation. You know, for, for me, it's, being authentic, bringing my full self to work, you know, um, you know, just stating who I am, where I came from, what I know, what I don't know, owning my faults, owning my gaps, but asking for help. And, and I think again, that vulnerability and authenticity will eventually lead to trust, but it does take time as well, you know, because I think as society, it's unfortunate, but we often think what's really behind the scenes or what, are, what is their real motivation? You, you can't help but to wonder that when you, when you do meet people, what are their real goals? Are they just trying to climb the ladder or use this project to get ahead? Or, you know, is it really a passion? And so I think when people work with me, they, they quickly learn to see where I have passion and where I have practice. And so there's a big difference in that. And so when they start to recognize the passions, they may understand if I get excited or if I raise my voice or I'm, you know, really upset about a particular topic, it's because I'm passionate. And I want to fix it and I don't know how to resolve it, but I'll stay on that, you know? So, so I think that trust, it definitely takes time, but you have to be who you are in every aspect, personally, professionally, um, your views, your thoughts, your processing and so forth. I think that's a great way to describe bringing your whole self to work because it's another one of those things that can feel gimmicky or it can feel like we're joking about this 10 step guide. It's like, oh, well, bring your whole self to work means be your whole self. But there's often underlying concerns in a culture at a company that stop people from bringing them whole, their whole selves to work. So if we aren't addressing 
those root causes as a company, starting with our smallest teams and, and you know, expanding from there, we're not going to get the best of people and we're not going to get those diverse teams and that beautiful brainstorming practice that you were talking about earlier where everybody gets to be really candid. Um, I wonder, you know, I wonder if if we're doing enough. I, I wonder how bring your whole self to work. I wonder what that means to you um, parallel to that that conversation about trust. Yeah, um, it for me, bringing your whole self to work means I don't I don't have to filter. Um, I I'm married to another woman. We have two beautiful children. I have the, the best family, the best wife. My wife is the, the best mom I've ever seen out there. Um, and not being afraid to filter that in a conversation. You know, when you jump on a Monday morning call with, you know, I was just on a call earlier and there were probably a handful of individuals I've, I've never met or engaged with, you know, but not being afraid to say, yeah, my wife and I, or my kids or my family and who is my family. I don't hesitate in those sentences. And and I also don't, I think I've reached a point in my life and career too, where I, I kind of don't care how that's received. And now I say that lightly because I, I do care. I care about others. Um, I care about how they feel, but my, it's not my responsibility to filter who I am to make someone else comfortable. And I, I will be honest, I think before coming out, I did that half my life, you know, try to protect others and not tell this secret or not share something about me out of fear that it'll make them uncomfortable. And, and now I see it com- completely reversed. It's my duty to, to be who I am, whether you're comfortable or not, but I also wanna portray that I'm approachable. So if you have questions, if you wanna learn, right? We learn through others, ask me questions. I'm always happy to share that coming out journey or how I found out, you know, I was gay or, you know, how, how my family came to be. We, we all are such unique little seeds in this world. And, it, and it's a beautiful story. And then I love hearing other people's stories, whether they're like mine or completely opposite. It fascinates me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I, even just in this call, like hearing you say those things, even though I knew that that was true about you makes like everyone else feel more comfortable in talking about that. Right. Like I have noted that, um, I have previously been in a relationship with a woman where, uh, I would talk about it at work, but there was always right. Like this hesitation or like, not sure how it's going to be received or if people are going to say something and, and being able to see others just do that with confidence is I think a really beautiful thing for other people. And even if, again, they have a different background or a different experience, feeling comfortable and talking about those more intimate details about their lives and their family and the people that they care about, I think is so important um, to that and probably goes back to the idea that your vulnerability and authenticity allows that to shine and come out in others. Thank you. Yeah. It's such a gift to the rest of the company. And I um, really admire your courage as well, because to your point, it's not, it's not, you didn't come out one time in your life. And then you were like, everybody knows now <laughs> I'll never have to address this again. It's right. <laughs> a constant, it's a constant conversation and a constant narrative. 
um, that you have to carry. So I thank you for sharing. Yeah. And, and, and I think when we, when we dive down in, you know, my, my eight-year-old and, and the things that he's going through right now in life that drive me batty, you know, are the same things that, you know, a heterosexual couple's eight-year-old is going through as well. So we're so different. Yeah. We're so much alike. Right. And it's really, whether it's work or our products or our customers, it's about our passion and our, our respect and, and our concern for each other and how to make this world better. And I don't know, I just, it, it's easy now. I won't say it was always easy. It was really a battle for me early in my career and facing, you know, discrimination at times. Um, but those things form who you are and, and how you carry yourself forward, right? It's all about our own reactions. Yeah, our own reactions and changing the narrative. I mean, again, what a gift to have you uh, as a beacon of light for so many people that you can say, hey, I've really struggled with, you know, with this kind of discrimination in the past. We're not doing that anymore. That's not, you know, you can kind of stop things in their track, I imagine. Not that that's your responsibility, but right. um, to see it as as somebody else in the company is, you know, I imagine has a great ripple effect. Yeah. You know, you look to it at what our workforce and our teams and our company has been through the last two years, even with COVID. Well, I think the reason a lot of us are, are still in the same seats is the compassion and the culture of this company and the people. How are you doing at home? How are you handling your kids' homeschooling? You know, how are you dealing with, with your family and friends that, that have been impacted? It, the compassion has really come out in these last couple of years, and it, it is a beautiful thing. Um, and it keeps us moving forward and it keeps us focused. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that a piece of that, and I don't know if this is maybe others feel it, maybe not, but I think the more that you become openly yourself in all sorts of ways, even just like the ways that you might make silly or goofy jokes in a meeting or however that looks or the ways you speak up. Um, once you start to do that, it's really hard to go back, I think, um, and try and put yourself like back in some box. I don't, I don't know if I would, I would be able to now. So being in a place where that is accepted, or there are people who are caring about the things going on in the background of your life, or one of my dogs starts barking in the background of a zoom call. And instead of someone getting frustrated, they ask questions about it or whatever else that looks like, um, I think, I think is really special. Yeah. You know, you, it's interesting. You make, you mentioned going back into a box, you know, I I'm starting to kind of understand, I, I can't say fully comprehend, but more and more youth, like not wanting a box to define them, you know? And, and, and if you look at even our recruiting practices, we go to, we go to a lot of the same schools, a lot of the same majors, right? We're looking for a lot of the same technical skills, but we've got to add to that mix. What's outside of that box? What are those soft skills? What are the thought processes? What's the cultural upbringing of those individuals? I mean, I would much rather have somebody kind of scrappy and on the fly and, you know, quick thinking than, than somebody who's really articulated, articulated and laid out everything, you know, having again, that diversity to mix it up and say, let's, let's try to wing it this time. What can we come up with? Um, getting out of our boxes. There's a lot of fear in doing that, but I, I think it enables a lot more. 
Oh, yes. I love that. I think, um, I think we're starting to be a little bit more aware of it. Right. But the recruiting is key because you bring people into your organization that shape the culture of your teams and your organization. And then those people grow into managers. And like we were talking about earlier, you know, we have to be really intentional about how we're caring for the people that are growing through the company. And that I think a lot of the time starts with management and the compassion and the kindness need to be fundamental. And if we're not recruiting for people that emphasize compassion and kindness, it's going to be a hard thing to grow. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, we may have the most technical savvy solution yeah. products out there, which is awesome and has its place for sure. But even how we value sell, right? It's not just on data, it's on capability. It's on kind of those out-of-the-box type solutions and things. Yeah. That's how we create all the innovation. That that innovative sweet spot that everybody, you know, needs to grow this company um, with especially the growth goals that we have, right? Right. Do you have any kind of final closing thoughts around what you would suggest to those who are looking to become their more authentic self in the workplace or otherwise, and how that could relate to their ability to grow, you know, their community and their network? Sure. Um, my, my number one suggestion is to be inquisitive and to set your fears aside. Our, our fears will limit us from asking the question, from taking risks, from taking the job out of fear of failure, when really it's the hard stuff that's going to move us personally and professionally. So I, I would encourage everybody, if, if you wanted to set one kind of stretch goal out there, identify what your fears are and, and just knock one of them out and say, you know what, I'm going to let go of the fear. I'm going to, I'm going to jump off the ledge. I'm going to trust this bungee cord. Right. Um, not that I would ever do that, but um, <laughs> letting go of that fear and in taking a risk and seeing where being brave enough to ask that one question could take you being brave enough to explore that next opportunity or that, that next role. Um, again, surround reaching out and surrounding yourself with people you never thought about maybe being friends with, Hey, what drives you? Tell me about your background. Tell me how you got to where you are today. Tell me what you love about what you do. And, and, you know, just again, learning through others, there's so much history that continues to evolve and shape. And I think now and then if we sat back to listen to some of those backstories, we'd have a good understanding of, of what's next and, and how to go there ourselves. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for being with us today. I don't think that we could possibly uh, get a better answer right at the end there, or finish out on a, on a higher note. So I think we can leave it at that, but thank you so much again. Uh, it has been a wonderful and inspiring conversation. Well, thanks for having that. me. I, I, yeah. I appreciate the platform and I love what you guys are doing with this. And just, again, you're, you're learning through others and you're bringing the conversation to, to many of us that take the time to listen to this podcast. So I think it's a, it's a great idea and I'm fully supportive of it and would love to help anyone along their path as well as well. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Rochelle. Thank you guys.